I'm excited to welcome you to today's conversation with Dr. Jenny Finn. For reference, this was recorded on August 17th of 2021. Jenny holds a PhD in sustainability education from Prescott College and a master's degree in social work from Colorado State University. She is an RSA fellow and a country lead for the USA for Hundred, an international collective highlighting educational innovations globally. For the past 25 years, Jenny has been committed to creating healthy culture by starting with an unwavering commitment to her own personal growth and transformation. As a result of her own journey with addiction and cancer, Jenny understands that a healthy relationship with the world begins with a strong connection to ourselves and community. In a culture that often fosters separation and disconnection, Jenny's research, mentoring, and teaching invites people to deepen the relationship they have with themselves in order to serve the world with greater clarity, compassion, creativity, and courage. Jenny's work has taken many forms, including nonprofit direction, trauma and hospice care, spiritual care and chaplaincy, private practice, community building through the expressive arts and educational design. She is the founding visionary at Springhouse and sees place-based education oriented around the source of life as a primary agent to transform culture. She's honored to work with the outstanding Springhouse team and is deeply committed to the Springhouse mission of designing vitality-centered education and sharing the sourced design through Source Design Labs at Springhouse. Jenny lives on a farm in the Blue Ridge Mountains with her husband, Andy, and their two teenage children, Andrew and Lizzie. To learn more about her work, visit sourcedesign.org and springhouse.org. Here we go. Let's dive into our conversation with Dr. Jenny Finn. I'm Lindsay Lyons, and I love helping school communities envision bold possibilities, take brave action to make those dreams a reality, and sustain an inclusive, anti-racist culture where all students thrive. I'm a former teacher leader turned instructional coach, educational consultant, and leadership scholar. If you're a leader in the education world, whether you're a principal, superintendent, instructional coach, or a classroom teacher excited about school-wide change like I was, you are a leader. And if you enjoy nerding out about the latest educational books and podcasts, if you're committed to a lifelong journey of learning and growth and being the best version of yourself, you're going to love the Time for Teachership podcast. Let's dive in. Jenny Finn, welcome to the Time for Teachership podcast. Thank you so much. I'm really happy to be here, Lindsay. I'm so glad you're here. Do you want to add anything to the amazing, very well-rounded bio that I just read to further introduce yourself to listeners? Um, you know what? I think the bio says it all. And I would just say, um, as I said to you earlier, that this work is deeply, deeply personal to me. So I think when you when you read the bio, you'll see that. Um, but it, it really does. My own personal experience informs all, all of the work that I've been engaged in for almost 30 years now. Yeah. Amazing. Thank you so much. And thank you for the great work that you're doing. Um, one thank of the you. things I like to start with is just kind of this uh, big dream question around, you know, what is the big dream you hold for the field of education? And I really love Dr. Batita Love's um, quote about freedom dreaming in this. And I draw a lot of inspiration from her where she says, really, it's dreams grounded in the critique of injustice. And so with that in mind, what is the, the dream that you hold for education? That's a really, really great question. Um, the first thing that comes to me is let me let me think and hope that I can get this right. And I don't know who said this, but it's something that we often say at Springhouse, which is um, a, the community that we'll talk about today that I co-founded eight years ago. Um, but it's it's basically a quote that says, 
a vision without a task is just a dream. A task without a vision is drudgery. A vision with a task is the hope for the world. So my hope for education, how I see education is not as a noun. It is a verb. It, it to me refers to intergener intergenerational relationships that um, that have that could foster anything, any kind of agenda. So it's intergener at least at Springhouse, it's intergenerational relationships that foster vitality. So that life is at the center of everything. Taking care of life, no matter how old you are, who you are in the system. Um, that education, uh, those intergenerational relationships are there to take care of, protect, and foster life. Um, so to me, that that really, and, and at Springhouse, our vision is regenerative culture. Somebody just asked me yesterday, what the heck does that mean? That means a culture. I know that we really don't know what that means because many of us have never experienced it <laughs> in our family system or at the in our educational system or the culture at large. Regenerative culture to me and to us at Springhouse is the big vision and the big dream. Um, and that means a culture that orients around life and takes care of it. And then our mission is to create and activate vitality-centered education where life and freedom are at the center of everything we do. Not only happiness, not only what we want, not that's not it. It's like, how do we honor the full experience of life, the cycles of life, that life uh, runs through human beings and beyond human beings into the other than human world? How does it lead us into wholeness? How does it lead us into joy? Those are the questions that we hold. So that's really, and what I love is... Um, what I really love to experience and see are examples, living examples of people doing the messy work, like Dr. Bettina Love talks about. Of at one point she said, you know, we just kind of we need to fully reimagine and redesign our school system. Agreed. And eight years in the making here at Springhouse, that's what we're doing. And I can tell you it is not easy. It is not a path for the faint of heart but we do need people who are really being midwives, cultural midwives bringing forth new designs that orient around life. Long answer, but it's a big question. <laughs> it absolutely is a big question. And I love that answer. It makes me think too of all of the work. And so I, my research is in the student voice field and student leadership field. And there's so much in there that I love with like the youth adult partnership framing of, you know, it is that intergenerational relationship that you're talking about. And we can create anything when we have that foundational relationship. And that's such a key piece that I think often is missing when we think about, you know, traditional mindsets of education and the teacher has all the information and then we dictate that to the students. And so I'm curious to know, um, you know, whether there is a particular mindset that folks who started the school with you have adopted or if you're speaking to listeners who are in traditional schools and maybe have these traditional views of, of education or have colleagues who have adopted those traditional views, you know, what's that shift away from the traditional view? What's the mindset that will enable people to do the work in that way that, that you're dreaming it about? Mm, that's a great question. It's one I literally just came off another call around. Um, 
I think it's humility. I think the mindset, <laughs> the life set is humility and surrender. That the human will has limits. And, um, and I think because of that, exactly the model you just dis- discussed around the teacher has it and the young person doesn't, um, first of all, it's false. <laughs> it's just, it's an illusion. It's not true. And it causes an adult in that system to rest in a false sense of security where I have expertise and wisdom in certain areas of my life. And then there's a lot I don't know. And that's great. Um, That makes me human. Um, That makes me uh, hopefully curious and flexible and vital. Um, So, because I don't know it all and I shouldn't know it all. It it makes me actually really boring and kind of stiff to other people, especially young people. It also totally disempowers our youth. It just does. it doesn't allow them to know that they have gifts to offer in their stage of development. Um, so I think it leads to um, really disempowered and dependent uh, it, uh, youth that lack an inner compass. Um, and I mostly think that's because as adults, we think we have one because we're orienting around our expertise. But that's not an inner compass. That's not an inner compass is deeper than my expertise. Um, so those are some of the some of the um, thoughts I have. But I also love talking about the um, some solutions and example. And so one thing I'll say is um, that at Springhouse, you know, we see I see um, as the founding visionary there. I see all of the adults um, as well. I don't see them. They are regenerative culture builders. They're building regenerative culture now, starting with themselves. So they start with themselves. I'll say that again <laughs> as adults. And that's essential with the design that we we are practicing at Springhouse, um, that it starts with the adults. It cannot be, we can't project all our problems onto the youth and try to fix it through them, that we have to do our own work. Um, and we do. Um, and it doesn't make us perfect. It just makes us more pliable and flexible and hopefully humble. Um, and what we then do is we have a student, we have a learner leadership model where young people within Springhouse can apprentice with an adult who's a regenerative culture builder. So they'll, they may, like one student may, I have a, an apprentice with me who's a 17-year-old who's the learner visionary. And so he's really learning about what it means to be a visionary, where we have another teen who's working directly with um, the, the regenerative culture builder adult who is working with adolescent development. So we have a 17-year-old who's working closely with him. We have another person who, another young person who's working closely with our Vitality-Centered Education Lead. So it's like they partner, and then they have something called the roundtable, where the students meet together, and then they bring their learning from their different um, apprenticeships together in service, not just like as a learning, like a, irrelevant learning situation it's more like they're actually they're helping to guide springhouse and like to make springhouse stronger so it's it's a real it's it's a real life thing that they're doing that actually impacts them as well as our community so that's just one example of how we we know that we need their wisdom 
from where they are in their stage of development and they know that they need ours and there's mutual respect and an orientation around the common vision. So those are just some of the thoughts I have around that. Yeah, and I love that you're talking about, you know, I, I often call them brave actions, like the actions that are really required, the examples, the strategies, the things like this. I love that you're also talking structurally, right? Structurally, there are structures in place for students to opt into an apprenticeship, to have that space at the round table to come together, to be able to have the mindset and the humility that you're talking about where leaders are open to the ideas that students are bringing from that round table. I, I think this is all so practical and helpful for people who are like, oh, you know, maybe I could do something like this at my school if it's not already there already. Mm -hmm. um, I know you have a lot of really interesting, innovative ideas around curriculum and what, what learning looks like. And I know your website is a wealth of information with a bunch of resources that people can grab. Um, do you mind speaking to kind of the actions that your teachers take or your students take around how, how they learn and, and what they learn about in the class. Mm -hmm. You know, I think it's so important to say that I can't, I can't stress this enough. And really the only way to know this is to immerse yourself at Springhouse is it is so different. <laughs> it's so different that like, we don't, we don't refer to ourselves as teachers, not because teacher is a bad word, not at all. It's just not naturally the role. I can't, it's, in in like classes in terms of um like there are courses and explorations um so i know that maybe folks who are listening to me who are in a more conventional system may have trouble uh bringing what i'm saying into their paradigm and that makes sense because it's they're different they because they have different orientations they have different centers they're after something different at the center of the design. And um, so that's important to say to anyone who's listening. Certainly though, and we'll get to the five principles of the design, which are not just spring houses. They're as ancient as ancient could be. They're just not well-practiced. So when we talk about that, people could certainly, let's say, take care of vulnerability in their classroom. Um, so in terms of, and, and maybe we go there, maybe we go there to those principles. We absolutely can, yeah. Okay. Because I think that's a way where if you are out there, and I know some of you are, because I work with people around the world who are either really just trying to bring a different, um, just something different to their classroom. But I'm also working with people who are saying, I'm ready to really build something new. How do I start? What do I do? Um, so at Springhouse, we work with five design principles that were articulated mostly um, from the experiment of Springhouse. Um, and were articulated after a year-long focus group, basically kept asking the question, what is remarkable and unique about Springhouse? What is our identity? Who are we? Um, so we really took that seriously. We had teens, community members, adults within the system asking that question and really exploring it for a year. From that, we, came, we, have, we named five design principles that are practiced daily and alive at Springhouse, which is great to have a living example um, of what's possible. We're not out to replicate and scale in other places. It's like, use these principles in ways that respect your people in your place. Um, and that's already happening. And it's amazing to see how unified we are, but also how diverse we are at the same time. So those principles are, the first one is take care of vulnerability. So at all costs, no matter what, we take care of vulnerability. If we're missing that foundational principle, forget about it. <laughs> just forget about it. Um, 
So there's nothing more important than that. Um, that's it. Take care of vulnerability inside yourself, in your community, with the earth. Just take care of it. And we'll be we'll be living in a different world if we did that. Um, and I know, like I'm saying that simply, but I know I know personally the process of what that feels like to shift from living in shame and hiding to living and taking care of vulnerability. It's a lifelong journey. Um, the second principle is to cultivate personhood. And so we do that in a lot of ways um, at Springhouse, but that basically means tend to your own personal development. No matter how old you are, you tend to that. One of the ways we do that is by radically reclaiming our relationship with our bodies. So in our, our vitality-centered educational design, there and it's way too much to go into here, but there's three solid pillars in that model. Body, society, and earth. We tend to all of those things as a regenerative culture builder, um, our relationship to those aspects, both of human culture, of earth culture, and to ourselves, primarily our bodies. Because because we're so disembodied, um, that's the result of a lot of that. That are, a lot of our issues we have are a result of that problem. So we're saying at Springhouse, we're we're taking the we're taking the body back here. <laughs> we're taking it back, and um, we're exploring it in all different kinds of ways: sexuality, race, gender identity. I mean, all, all kinds of all kinds of ways. So that that and one of the primary we, ways we do that is dance. We spend an enormous time with the earth um, and mentoring. Every single teen has a mentor at Springhouse and every adult has a mentor. So that's, that's mentoring is a cultural way for us. Um, and that doesn't mean professional therapy. That's not what it means. It means I'm walking with someone on the path. I'm maybe a little further down on that spiral. I'm holding a lantern and I'm saying you can do it. <laughs> that's what mentoring is um, to us. Then um, the third principle is build beloved community. One really specific we, way we do that is we sing a lot and we share power. We orient around life and we share power. Um, we, and we take care of our power. We have a responsibility to ourselves and to each other to do that. Um, the fourth principle is respect the wisdom of the earth. So we do that in a lot of ways, just by paying attention and learning and relate, better relating with the earth um, and our land. But we're also this fall really exploring, um, I can't remember what it's called, but like learning from the land and looking at um, the indigenous people who were on our land first and, and exploring the history of that by walking the land, not just sitting and listening, but by actually walking and, and walking with people from our community. Um, Another way we respect the wisdom of the earth is how we structure our uh, financial model, our investment model. We do not situate education as a commodity. It is not a transaction. It is a relationship. So our financial, our investment model is based on trust, trust, transparency, and relationship. So that's a huge experiment. And I can report after four months of experimenting, it's going pretty well. Uh, <laughs> Lots of tears, lots of relationship building, and lots of freedom happening. Um, finally, love and serve others. We foster vitality to better love and live in the world. What else are we? What else are we doing here? What else should education be for? It, what else should it be for? 
I mean, what, to perpetuate an individualistic, unsustainable culture? I don't think so. Not for me. Um, so I know how hard it is. I know that we're not doing it perfectly, but I know that the good news is I'm not doing it alone and that our, our community continues to grow um, globally. And that's because what we're doing is needed and it's ancient. It's ancient. We're really just taking care of some wisdom that is ancient and we're just bringing it forward. So whether you're starting something new or you're thinking about your own family system or your own life, like maybe start by asking, do you take care of your own vulnerability? I ask that in every, and now we share our design globally through source design labs. Um, so we, we have a global network. If people are interested, wherever you're listening, um, you can learn from the living example of Springhouse through this network. Um, and I can give that website later, but um, there's all kinds of people who do it. People who just want to foster vitality in their own life to start with or their own family. Or it could be someone who, like someone in Belgium who's wanting to start a school. You know, um, it, it really is start with the principles with yourself. And then any of these could be worked on and applied in your in your communities. And I would say just as one who has done this for many years personally and, and in my calling, um, we need support. We need each other. We need, to, we need to remember that we're not in this alone. That's what Springhouse is really. It's like, you're not alone. Go for it. <laughs> Go for it. We're here to support you. And we know we'll learn from you. So if you are out there doing design that's oriented around vitality, like has that at the center, I would love to hear from you because we can support each other and learn from each other. That's amazing. Thank you so much for going through each of those. And I, there's so many things that I'm connecting with personally, I'm really interested in the sharing of power and how that happens. And, you know, what are the practices by which that happens? I also just love that you're going beyond like a land acknowledgement of like who, you know, who are the indigenous people who have, who have lived on this land and stewarded this land. Um, and, and to actually walk the land and to walk in community on the land. I just, I feel like these are things that even if you are in a traditional schooling system, you can still do those things. You can go out and walk mm -hmm. the land, right? And so right. I think these are so valuable as practices that are concrete and transferable to a lot of different systems as well. Um, I know mm -hmm. you're saying you're doing something completely different, which is so true. And I, I hope that people will also take the um, inspiration from that to try to create these new systems that aren't so um, traditional in the way that we've been doing them, aren't so right. siloed and more community-based, more vitality-based, right. as you're saying. Yes. And you know, it's so beautiful how you just said that because, well, I'll, I'll tell you in, in full transparency with the land acknowledgement thing, we had a land acknowledgement written and one of the staff members came to me at the end of the year and said, okay, we're going to move forward. Like we're going to, will you read this? Will you read this when we go into our graduation? And I looked at it and I said, it's not that I am not like heart committed to everything written here. I don't, but I don't even barely know how to pronounce the names of these people. I don't, this doesn't, this feels like it's not coming from the inside out. I want this, but I want our community to know who these people are, where we are. Like we, we have to do the work first. We can't just say this, even though we really want to, <laughs> I mean, we could maybe but I can't, I can't, 
I have to do, I have to do the work to know what I'm talking about, that this is rooted in my body and in this place in our community's body. And so what's happening now in the staff member, I mean, we were both in tears and we were both like, exactly. Let's hold on this. Let's make it top priority that we walk the land and we walk the land with this community and, and we get to know it in that way that leads to a community written land acknowledgement that that is very rooted, not only in Springhouse, but in our place and in our hearts. And that's an example of really, truly like a design that's oriented around vitality. It's like around what's real. And we didn't, I didn't want to like, um, just slap something on to relieve my guilt or to relieve my, I just, I just wanted a deeper transformative experience to inform my actions. And that is a norm. That really is a norm at Springhouse. And then the other thing I'll say is for those who are listening in a more conventional system, um, whatever that means, um, it, is, it really means basically if your design is oriented around anything other than that, like that freedom and that life, it's really hard. Like I want to just empathize. People might want to go out and, and walk the land and like do a community mural or, but because the system is oriented around standardization, individualism, uh, uh, consumerism, um, because it's oriented around things that are disembodied, um, not oriented around justice for all, like those things, it's so hard because you're, you're having to commit to this agenda, right? That doesn't have space to like take care of your body or get to know the land or even get to know the body who's in the next classroom. You might not even be able to chat and, and cry or play with your neighbor in your, in your school system, let alone step outside of your school building. So I think not only are young people suffering in the way we've structured education, I just want to speak on behalf of the adults who are in that system that are really fighting for creativity and in their own autonomy and, and all kinds of things in a system that just, just isn't uh, oriented around that. So not that it's not possible, it is, but it may even start with like, maybe go out of your classroom and do something radical, like have a cup of tea with your partner next door, you know, or just talk to a student for five minutes longer, ask them some questions about who they are or what they love or what they're scared of. Yeah, such good ideas, such concrete good ideas. And although mm -hmm. I just love that, you know, it reminds me of um, this idea of like, it was from the nineties, I think, uh, like add women and stir was like the thing that people were like criticizing that we're just adding women to these corporate environments and we're just stirring and it's still at the root, very oppressive, not justice based. And I, I feel yes. like a yep. lot of the movement lately in education to incorporate things like justice, like well-being of adults and young people is very much like, we're going to try to add it into the system yes. that is not yes. enabling us to do it well. And then yes. we're frustrated because we're trying to add when we don't have time to add. And we're trying to, you know, do yes. all of these ways and all these shortcuts that aren't going to work. And so yes. I really appreciate yes. that you named that in that way. <laughs> yes. Yes. Because we end up symptom um, I just told this story uh, to someone on my eight o'clock meeting um, in Finland, actually. And uh, it's really this 
you know, there's a there's an Appalachian tradition called uh, well, that's basket weaving, and it's pretty intense. I mean, it, it's a, it's a rite of passage to to weave a basket, <laughs> and I've been through it. And there's this certain design where you put the loops together, and then you start with what's called the god's eye, and it's where the two loops are linked, and then the whole basket weaves from those eye the eye. If you don't get the God's eye, not perfect, but pretty close to center, um, the basket really unfolds in a way that doesn't make it a usable basket. So you really, if I first, at first did not get the God's eye, not even close to center. It's kind of like when you're a potter too, and you're making a pot, it's like the centering is key. So like the centering, and I had to unravel, my instructor said, if you want this to be a usable basket, you need to unravel start over and I was like oh god part of me just wanted to move the basket and just be done with it right I mean what what am I doing but I unraveled and now I have a really usable basket that I get our chicken eggs in and I can use it um and it's beautiful actually my point with that nice basket story is that when we don't have the eye of the design um is centered as it can be around and if it is centered on something that's not life-giving or it's trying to be, but it doesn't know what it is. The basket, the design um, has some problems <laughs> to say it lightly. And then what we end up doing is symptom management. We end up over here trying to manage the symptom when the thing actually is the problem with the center. Um, and I just think it takes a lot to go to the center and not, not just with a system, that's enormous, right? But even as a person, like think about ourselves where it's like, gosh, I really wish my life was taking a different design. <laughs> What's going on? And then we end up symptom management over here rather than just like sitting down and really being with ourselves and being with like, what's at the center of me? What's at the center of me? Am I living a life that's unfolding out of fear or out of reaction to something? Or what's like true for me? And unfortunately, education, at least me and my experience, um, it never really asked those questions that helped me get to the center, to the God's eye. Um, and my hope at Springhouse is that we are doing that, but that means we're shifting the whole agenda. That's the thing. And so many would call it like the last questions, like, is this legitimate? Uh, is this education? Is this an after school program? Is this social emotional learning? Is this, what? what is this? Um, what is this if it's not after does everyone go to college and do they go to the best college so they can get the best job and make the best money? It's like, or get the most fame or like, we're just not even orienting around that. And so it makes sense that as a culture, it would be like, well, is this legitimate? Or is this like just a play school or after daycare <laughs> or whatever the thing is? And it's like, no, it's just, it's just reorienting the God's eye on the basket. And we're just doing it one day at a time together, but it's definitely not easy. It's not easy. I love that analogy. Thank you so much. Now I want to take a basket weaving class. I'm very curious. <laughs> Sounds like a lot of work. But... It is, it is. I threw my basket on the floor many times. <laughs> <laughs> so as we kind of start to wrap up the episode, I think we've talked about so many different 
practices, strategies, values, things that people could be thinking about. And so I'm curious for the listener who is taking it all in and thinking about, you know, I just want one step to start with. What would you recommend that someone do as they end the episode and and start to implement some of this stuff? What may be a first step for people to kind of live in alignment with what we've been talking about today? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, one that's really important to me. I would, um, well, I would first ask myself, um, am I taking care of vulnerability in my life? And if the answer is, I don't know, then I would explore that. If the answer is no, um, then I would say I would explore that. (laughs) And then if the answer is yes, then I would say, how do I get to know more of that? Because with each one of us, our personhood is the greatest gift we can offer. And if people don't know what I'm talking about, a great person to read is uh, is uh, Parker Palmer on that, um, where it's like you're, and, and he's just one person. I mean, there's many, many ancient teachings and many people out there now who are speaking to this, but it's like your very presence is a gift. So take care of it. Um, and it matters a lot. It matters a lot. And it matters a lot in how you relate with youth, because if you know your presence is a gift and you're taking care of it, then you're truly doing what education is at its root, which means to draw out. It means to draw out. And if you don't know what's in you, how could you possibly, I mean, how could you possibly be, your very presence could draw out what's true and authentic in someone else, but it has to be true and authentic in you. So I would start by doing that. And if you are like, I don't know exactly what that means, then um, I would offer, if you are resonating with anything I'm saying, then I would go to source design, sourcedesign.org. Um, that, and that's spelled source, S-O-U-R-C-E-D, design.org. Um, and there's a lot there about what I'm saying. Um, all the way from taking care, there's a whole section and it's all open source. So if you go to the curriculum part of it, you'll find so many resources, um, that are there to support you. Um, and then if you're like, Oh God, I'm really interested in this. Um, then we have source design labs. Um, and those are, we keep them very small and intimate. We have 12 people from around the globe who really are just committed to working these principles together through through their own individual projects in their place. And um, that's another option. The fall is full, but the winter is open. So um, people could, you know, I think it's that on the ground community mentorship and a personal practice. Those are the three pillars for me that build a new way of life, whether that's a person or a community, practice, community, and mentoring learning from someone who inspires you. So I would say those are those are three things that I would focus on. That's amazing. And I, I know this next question I like to ask just for fun. I know you've talked about so many things that you have learned um, or are learning. So I, I'm just curious, we're all lifelong learners. Every guest seems to be really excited about that development and that growth. Um, so I'm curious to know what's something you have been learning about lately. It could be related to education or it could be anything. Yeah, I... Um... Well, I'm getting ready to facilitate, co-facilitate a course with an artist friend of mine um, that is called <laughs> Reimagining Work in Zombie Culture. So, That's amazing. Um, we're doing that. 
Isn't that amazing with teens? Could be offensive, I understand, but welcome. Um, so what I'm reading right now is the myth of Icarus. And I'm also reading the Icarus Deception by Seth Godin. So if you're looking for a little bit of strength and like chutzpah to, to really step into your life, I would suggest the Icarus Deception by Seth Godin. And then maybe maybe read the myth after or before, but but it really speaks to how um, it's our birthright to live the life that we came here to live. And um, and it's just really, yeah, really inspiring. And I don't know when this will air, but if anyone's interested in that reimagining work in zombie culture, um, I've put out a call on LinkedIn to adults who are not offended by that, <laughs> but who are really interested in who are either leading the life they want to live, because I'm looking to bring in examples of people who are um, really engaged in, in like really meaningful, risky work in the world. And also opportunity for adults to learn, like if they don't know what I'm talking about, there's also room for adults to learn more about that through this course. So that's another option. Yeah, but I'm loving it. That is super cool. How fun. And what a creative team. I love creative teams. <laughs> and I think you shared some websites already uh, where people can go to learn more information. Is there any th other places that people should be able to go to connect with you or to connect with your school or, or anything we've talked about today? Sure. So people can go um, to springhouse.org. That's where you're, you'll learn all about Springhouse there. And then to learn about the design, like I said, sourcedesign.org. Springhouse is on um, Facebook. Springhouse is on LinkedIn. I think we're on Twitter and Instagram too. Um, we are definitely on those things. Um, and you can find me on LinkedIn too. I'm, I'm there. Awesome. Thank you so much, Jenny, for being on the podcast. Thank you so much, Lindsay. This has been such a pleasure. Thank you for doing the work in the world that you're doing. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for listening, amazing educators. If you loved this episode, you can share it on social media and tag me at Lindsay Beth Alliance or leave a review of the show so leaders like you will be more likely to find it. To continue the conversation, you can head over to our Time for Teachership Facebook group and join our community of educational visionaries. Until next time, leaders, continue to think big, act brave, and be your best self. Thank you.